Okay. We are live once again here at Dr. Demographics. I'm glad you're with me. If you're not with me live, that's okay. Some of it may be my fault and I apologize for that. Well, not my fault. We sent out an email this morning and uh, didn't quite go out for some reason. Our email system happened to be down. Uh, on top of that, we had a piece of equipment for our studio that was supposed to arrive uh, yesterday and did not uh, arrive. So what are you going to do? You know, life uh, sometimes doesn't do everything you need it to do and whatever. But I'm glad to be with you. Glad to be on this live. This is Mike with Dr. Demographics. And I am so grateful that you're here uh, or watching whenever you're watching. So last week we got a comment from someone that watched our replay that he was interested in learning about demographic benchmarks for a de novo practice. And that's what I wanna go over today. Uh, some of the key data points that we use here at Dr. Demographics to make a decision on um, uh, whether the location is good for a de novo practice. Um, and for anyone who's confused by that phrase, um, de novo indicates that it is a absolute start from scratch practice. Um, very, very basic meat and potatoes type of a practice. General services typically. Um, and uh, it could be that you're a private practice owner and this is your first practice. It could be that you're um, a large practice group and you're just looking for opportunities across the country. We get both. We get both of those scenarios all the time uh, for people that are looking to place a practice somewhere that has a pretty good bet on them being successful. So let's dive right into it. I, uh, again, excited about this topic. I know that we probably won't because our email didn't go out. I won't have very many questions today to go over, so it'll probably be a shorter episode, but we'll still cover this topic in detail. Now, for those of you that have been listening just to the audio version um, on uh, whatever podcasting software you use, uh, be aware that your uh, uh, this is being streamed live on YouTube and is in a lot of different places. You can do your podcast through Spotify and watch the video version, or you can join us live here on YouTube, or you can go to our YouTube channel and see these replays as well. And we're posting them on our social media uh, uh, channels as well. So wherever it is, we'd love to have you join us, uh, ask questions, even if it's after, because I know a lot of you are working today. Uh, seeing patients and whatnot. So let's dive right into it. Let's look at the key demographic benchmarks or the top data points that we look at for de novo practice. And the first one is probably not a big surprise and that's growth. Growth is something that um, you should absolutely be looking at. Uh, really, it should factor really heavily into your decision. Now, it shouldn't be 100% of your decision. There are lots of things that can a, a, a impact an area, positive or negative, that have nothing to do with growth. But growth is probably the, one of the most consistent factors to be looking at. However, a lot of times doctors are only wanting the crystal ball forecast growth. And um, while that's great and we should absolutely be looking at that forecasted growth, uh, it is a crystal ball. And there are so many things that can impact what changes that growth to a faster degree or a lower degree and happens all the time and we're seeing it economically right now in a lot of different areas um, I would say that 
you know, some of the harder hit areas are being done due to political policy or environmental factors that are happening. But also another factor is on the positive side, look at Austin. Look at all the news that came out this past week about the investments that Elon's going to make or other businesses are going to make that's going to build Austin even further. And so factors like that can play a massive role in the forecast growth for an area. All of that being said, historic growth, in my opinion, is a more true metric to be watching. Um, I want to know what's happened over the last 10 years at the very minimum in an area. What has been the trajectory for that area? Because nine times out of 10, over that 10-year period, it's had a little bit of a fluctuation. It's had good, strong, positive growth, and it's good. It's had negative growth. And we can kind of make a estimated judgment based on that trajectory line of what it's going to do over the next five or 10 years. Now, is it going to be perfect and absolute? It's not. It is going to have a lot of different factors that are going to play into it. But it is a really important metric to look at when we're looking at growth and we're looking at opportunities that are potentially happening in the area. Okay, I've got to put my phone on. Uh, I've got some of one of you trying to uh, join the podcast. We'll have to have the staff look at that. Okay, so let's look at historic growth just for a second. So historic growth, a couple factors, 10-year segment sufficient, better metric versus forecasted growth. It's important to understand the why, and we went through this just for a second ago, employment opportunities, but also I want to talk about environmental changes and let me let you know of an example that plays a factor. Look at the growth that Houston had after Katrina. Now you might say, wait a minute, Katrina didn't really impact Houston that much, it it hit New Orleans and that's where all the news was and all the things. And that's absolutely right. And what happened when New Orleans went underwater, a lot of those displaced people were sent to Houston. And that changed the demographic character of Houston in a pretty big way. And so because of that factor, it puts us in a situation where we have to approach uh the growth rate of Houston differently that had nothing to do with economic policy or general growth trajectories, but it was something that was an environmental change. Another factor that we're seeing right now, political change, is people are pouring out of California. And where are they going? They're going to Texas. Because of political uh, uh, policy and uh, things that happened during COVID, people are pouring out, businesses and people are pouring out of New York, and they're going to Atlanta or they're going to Florida. Uh, people in Chicago are going to Indiana. Uh, we're seeing that in all over the over the country, and that's been increased pretty significantly significantly post COVID. So because of what happened during COVID with these businesses, um, they oftentimes are looking and saying, "Hey, if this were to happen again, where would we be at as a business?" Um, and let's safeguard ourselves so we don't have to shut our doors for a year and try to survive somehow. But on the forecast growth side, again, we're gonna look at three-year segments as ideal. Uh, we're gonna understand those economic peaks and valleys, and we're gonna measure our investment courage based on how early we wanna be in an area. So oftentimes we'll be talking to doctors and they'll be looking at emerging areas, meaning that it might not be fantastic right now, but it's going to be fantastic in the future. And that is where your investment courage really comes into play is are you be going to be willing to go in there early and 
uh, invest and be willing to do kind of a slow build and be there first before the big boom happens? Or are you going to wait and potentially lose out on the opportunity because somebody who's a little bit more ambitious is coming in before uh, you have an opportunity to? So again, different factors, different things that can happen, but it's, it's very relevant uh, for uh, you looking at the growth in an area. As far as an actual data point, we're looking at growth at about 1% annually is is our benchmark of what we'd like to see for an area. Typically that indicates a healthy area. And there's a lot of places in the country that are still, even in these more challenging economic times, that are at that 1% benchmark. Um, but again, uh, that's why we exist. So please let us know how we can help you find those areas. And we can measure that, uh, what we think that area is going to do over the next five or 10 years. So the next one would be the population numbers. Now, depending on the type of practice that you want to build, it's really important to understand the age segments for the area. And again, not just the age, age segments today, but what are those age segments for the future? So if I'm a pediatric dentist or a doctor, or I am a orthodontist, for example, or maybe I'm a prosthodontist, or maybe I'm someone that is going to work with you know, late stage uh, uh, medical health, I need to know what the future of my practice is going to be. So what are those age segments um, and how's it gonna impact me in five or 10 years? Um, and typically for de novo practice, we wanna know what is going to be great right now so that we know that you're gonna be able to keep the lights on over that first year and work through your debt service a little bit. But also we wanna know, are we going to have enough growth? Is the trajectory of the population numbers increasing in the right way or at the right speed? So we're going to be able to have that great amp up uh, with the uh, potential patients that we have walking through our door. And so looking at what that future, what the five and 10 year uh, future time is and what the sizes of that market is really important for us to understand in making a decision like that. We wanna look at um, the drive time radius of a practice. Now, a lot of times people will say, why don't you do a circle radius? That's what they're more familiar with. In our opinion, we don't live by a circle radius. We live by drive time. I make almost all of my decisions based on drive time. When I, it's, it's Friday, when I go on date night tonight with my wife and she's gonna, we're gonna say, hey, where do we wanna go to dinner? I'm gonna measure, well, we could go here, we could go here. And the first thing I'm thinking about is how long is it going to take me to drive to these locations and then drive back? And are the kids okay while we're gone? Almost all of my decisions, well, a big part of my decision is the drive time distance for that area. Cause I know a lot of great restaurants that are one to two hours away, but I'm not willing to drive that on a Friday night. I'm looking at what's closer to our home. Uh, and that's where we're gonna make our decision likely. And so it's no different when someone's making a decision based on where they live to your practice. Are you uh, in, a, in a relatively uh, convenient drive time distance from uh, the market that you're going to be marketing to? You've got to know that. And if we just look at a circle radius, we're not taking into factor any geographic boundaries. We're not talking about um, things that that could have a major impact on someone's drive time, could be traffic, could be, um, again, a, a geographic barrier, lots of different things. And so a drive time radius is much more of a true metric um, when we're looking at demographics. Now, we're also looking at uh, zip code data. And as you know, for those of you that have done reports with us, we're looking at 
data over about a 14 contiguous zip code area. Now, I had to have a doctor yesterday ask me about can he handpick the zip codes because he was in a really rural area. And yes, absolutely. Uh, we'll want to look at the most significant zip code data for you to understand who's most likely going to go to your practice. But you've got to have that understanding because when you have that understanding, you have a better idea of where you're going to be at uh, in the practice long term and who is it that you're going to be treating specifically. And also when you're developing your marketing campaigns, you know what your message needs to be. Is it a convenience marketing campaign? Does it need to be a price campaign? Does it need to be something that's uh, more interpersonal in that campaign? That's what you can judge by looking at that drive time data. Now another factor when you're looking at population size and population numbers, especially when you're looking at an area or a practice that um, maybe has an existing patient base, which I know is not super relevant for de novo practice, but you want to look at what is that age of the patient? Are, is it a practice or is it an area that has a very old population and is that population going to age out of using your services? Um, and one way you can really measure that and watch that is vacancy rates. If you look over the past 10 years and look at the trend of the vacancy rate in the particular area that you're looking at, you can know whether the older population is aging out and um, where it is that they're buying is either becoming uh, vacant or being torn down for shopping centers or who knows what. But you can watch that vacancy rate creep up and if it, goes, if it is moving in that direction, then you've got a pretty hard decision to make of whether um, you're going to be comfortable with that. And again, you'll want to talk to us about what the potential ramifications are for your practice when looking at whether your patients are going to age out. Another factor in the age that's really important is do the kids stick around? So they grow up there, they may uh, go away for college, but do they come back? Is there enough employment opportunities in their hometown that they're going to come back and raise their family there? Uh, and very often they, they won't. And so that's another factor you've got to look at is, is the population people that have been raised there, that have this really strong connection to the area, or are most of the people that live there um, from out of state, out of area, and they don't have a legacy commitment or uh, connection to that particular area. And so it's important for you to understand that. And again, I go back to Austin. Austin's a great example. Um, Austin is made up of both people that have been there for generations and are having a really difficult time with all of these other people moving to the area from different states that have different values, different mindsets, uh, different ways that they're approaching things. And that's creating a situation where uh, very often um, they're having uh, people that are changing the economic outlook for the area, which you can either it can either benefit you or it can hurt you. I would say a national benchmark that we're looking at is we want to look at about one general practitioner per 5,000 population. Um, you know, people always ask me about what is an area that's too saturated or not saturated enough, and very often that is something that it creates. Um, creates that for us. We want to know exactly where it is that 
this saturation number is and how it is that's going to affect that practice moving forward. Because if you're in an area that is just too saturated, you just know that you either need to be an absolute expert marketer or you need to have some other strategy that's going to build your practice. And often, if you're a big group practice and you're opening a de novo uh, location, um, you have a template that you know works, you're confident in, you know exactly how much it costs. And so you're going to drop it in there and everything's going to work out. But again, that's where you'll want to talk to us so we can work through that together to make sure that everybody's sunk up. So the next thing is race, ethnicity, gender, and then looking at or starting to look at psychographics and how that plays into your practice area, how that plays into how you will approach the marketing and have an understanding of whether that practice is going to be successful. So a couple things you want to look at. Will they have a cultural reason to make a decision on whether they use you as a practitioner or not? Um, an example of that would be um, if you are a Japanese doctor and you're moving to a area that has a high Korean population, you might struggle and vice versa. Um, if you are a uh, a doctor from the Middle East and your English isn't very good and you're moving to a super bread and butter uh, Midwestern white neighborhood, you might struggle a little bit. And so those factors, and again, I know that that you know, hits upon a lot of sensitive topics, but it's really important for you to understand um, your success path when you're moving to an area. Now, can that Japanese doctor go to a Korean neighborhood and be very successful? Absolutely. Can that Middle Eastern doctor that doesn't speak English very well move to that mid, uh, middle of the country, flyover area, uh, uh, white population and be very successful? Absolutely. But there's a certain strategy that needs to be put into place there and especially if you're starting from scratch as a de novo practice because you're going to have a few challenges that other people might not have. And again, that's where we put our marketing hats on and we make a decision marketing-wise and we uh, decide on a couple of things that are going to help you along the way, get you over a few of those hurdles in a marketing sense. And one of the ways you do that is by really defining what your unique selling position is. Um, and you really have to be committed to that. You have to know why is it that I'm going to convince this population that wouldn't naturally choose me or our location for some reason. What is it that I'm going to put in the marketplace and, and message to them that's going to make the decision very easy for them? And again, the, the lazy man's approach to that is price. And that's usually what people do. Saying, well, I've got all these factors against me, but I'm going to be the the bottom of the barrel price and that's how I'm gonna get my patients through the door. And that will work for a short amount of time until the next guy comes and makes that same decision and decides he's gonna undercut you. And now you have to undercut him because that's your message and now it's just a race to the bottom. And now nobody's making any profit. And so not a great way to go. That's a very lazy man's way to market. Um, and you'll wanna talk again, would love to have that conversation with you of a better way to market your practice that's not solely related on price. Uh, it's really important to understand the generational immigrants and the differences, meaning that if you place your practice in Southern California and you're in a high Hispanic population, is that a first generation, a Hispanic family, or is it a second generation, or is it third generation? Same thing in Florida, same thing in Texas. You want to be looking at making those decisions because the way that you're going to market to a first generation immigrant family is very, very different than the way that you'll market to a second or third generation immigrant family 
family. Um, they are Americanized, quote unquote, and the decisions that we'll make be, will be much more close to the decisions that you would make broadly anywhere in the country than but that first generation family is going to have a decision process that's probably vastly different and based on other factors. So again, something that you want to talk to us about. And basically, you want to make sure that you're set up for success. You don't want to move and open a practice in a high Hispanic area that has a language challenge, meaning that if you don't speak English, or I'm sorry, if you don't speak Spanish and you don't have a front desk person or a billing person that speaks Spanish, when you open that practice in that area, you're probably going to struggle because people want to be comfortable. And if they don't feel like they can uh, uh, communicate with at least somebody in the office, um, and especially when it comes to money, then you're probably going to struggle and you're certainly not going to be able to keep that patient family. And they're certainly not going to send any referrals your way. And it's really important for you to understand why people buy. Um, not necessarily what, because we can match up what with demographics. But when we start looking at why, that's where psychographics comes into play. That's when we start understanding what an area is psychographically, what their values are, what it is that is a line in the sand for them. And that is why those that portion of the reports is so important. Because if you understand the psychographic segments of the area that you're uh, practicing in and the people that you're marketing to, your chance for success goes up uh, dramatically, absolutely dramatically. Um, we want to look at location and practice placement. Um, obviously, uh, if the money is even um, uh, in whether you're going to open up next to Whole Foods, um, well, this is the question I get. Should I open up in a high traffic area like Whole Foods or uh, that's very expensive or should we open up and start that practice in an area that's a little bit off the beaten path? And especially for de novo practice, you have got to make a good decision there. But you also need to understand that at the end of the day, when you do your taxes, you probably have spent the same amount of money. And what I mean by that is if you open up next to a Whole Foods or a Walmart or a Costco or something like that, you're going to pay out the nose for your lease rates. Why? Because the developer knows that that Whole Foods or Walmart or Costco is going to drive a tremendous amount of traffic for you without you having to do anything. You just hopefully have a good sign and, and run some ads and say, hey, we're next to the Costco. Whereas if you're in a, a practice that's off the beaten path, now you are in a situation where um, you have got to put extra marketing dollars out into the marketplace telling people where you're at. And it's going to cost you a lot more probably in that type of marketing than it will for somebody that's sitting next to Costco. And so at the end of the day, it's sixes. You're, you're going to spend about the same amount, but you'll just want to say, am I good at telling people and messaging people? And so I'm okay moving that practice or opening that de novo practice um, off the beaten path or... Am I uh, not that great at marketing or not committed to it or don't have that worked into my budget? And so I am going to rely on the big retail anchor to drive traffic to my practice. If that be the case, then that's what you probably ought to do. It's also understand important to understand the location history, the tangibles. Um, is there something wrong with the building uh, or the or the 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 building center or the shopping center that you're going to open up this this practice in is there a bad history there um, has something 
uh, happened to the foundation or or something like that it's important for you to understand what the local feeling is on the area on the tangible side but maybe even more important on the non-tangible side meaning that does that building have a stink on it and not a uh, you know actually smell stink well that too but is that building was there something that happened there was there a murder there did the uh, was there something horrible to happen there? All of those things I call non-tangibles, meaning that there's a history to that practice area or that area of town, and you have to make a decision on whether that's good for you or bad. So you need to understand that history. And then you want to understand um, the income, the education, the housing status. You want to understand all that about the practice area that you're working in. Um, are you going to live where you work? Um, do the people that uh, in your market area, do they also live where they work? Or do they drive way out of town? What is the daytime population of the area that you're going to open up your practice that's going to help you with your hour strategy? Um, people ask me, well, should I be in a rich area or a poor area? And it, both are fine. It can be very blue collar like our welding friend here, um, or it can be very white collar. And don't confuse the two. Oftentimes that welder right there is going to make more than 95% of the white collar people in your area. So it's not about blue collar, white collar. Um, it's more about median income and then understanding this psychography on how they're going to spend their money, what they value. Uh, you want to understand owners or renters in the area. Um, and again, you want to understand vacancy. Because if you can understand those three factors, you can better strategize your practice. If you're going into this saying, well, I just want to find an area that doesn't have any renters, uh, that's all homeowners, that's fantastic for the long term. But for a de novo practice, oftentimes that can be a challenge because if you have high income uh, homeowners at 90%, it's going to be hard to get them to change, especially if the area is not growing very well. And so a lot of times we want to look for areas that has a better mix of homeowners and home renters because those renters are likely not going to have a legacy relationship with other practices. And so you'll be able to convert them um, and have a shot at landing them as a patient as well as anybody else. And so and it's even better if those renters are in a market uh, where they can turn into buyers. That's not happening right now, or home buyers. That's not happening right this second, but hopefully in the future, short-term future, that'll be back to the case. And then the last thing is you wanna look at the educational attainment. Obviously, if you're a specialist, understanding the educational attainment is really important because it will show you um, the likelihood of that person using specialized services. Um, if you're, or, um, if you're a general practice and you'd kind of want to be the all hats on one head type of a, a practice owner, then the educational attainment, again, is very important for you to understand. And you'll want to talk to us about that. Um, and that's why we exist. That's why Dr. Demographics exists. Uh, that's why the reports are written the way that they are. And that is why, maybe most importantly, we do a consultation after every report because we want you to know and be clear and understand uh, every piece of data and how it affects you and your practice. Uh, again, so important that you know that before you sign on that loan or sign on that lease or buy that building or build that building because you want to understand how all of those impacts will impact you as a practice owner. 
Uh, please give us a call at 801-850-9393, or you can visit us on the web at drdemographics.com. We have samples of all of our reports uh, there, uh, and you can email me directly. If you've got a topic you want me to cover on these lives, you can do so and email me, mike at drdemographics.com, or you can just chat here in the live chat um, of these videos, and we'll, uh, we'll look at it for future episodes. So thank you so much. Sorry for the technical issues that we have this morning. Um, I know many of you will watch this after it is run. But that's okay. Uh, we're going to be here every Friday, noon Eastern, come hell or high water. So we'll be here and hopefully you'll join us. Tell your friends. Um, we're excited about it and we'll talk to you and see you on the next episode.